And the reason it's difficult to answer is because it is constantly changing. And my guess is the person you are today is not who you were 10, 15, 20 years ago. For some of you, you are now a parent. And 20 years ago, you were a child. Your relationships change. Your responsibility changes. Maybe the position you held at work has not changed, but because of advances in technology, the way that position or that job is carried out has changed. Scientists, biologists will say that your cellular structure and your tissue, that your entire makeup of your body changes almost completely every seven to ten years. And so when you see someone that you haven't seen in a long time, they say, wow, you look different. There's actually something to that. You, you do because you are being made new. Our body is made up around, of around 30 trillion cells, not counting bacterial cells, and around 10 trillion of those cells die every day and reproduce themselves. So who you are on the most basic level is constantly changing. And so if we were to ask, well, who are you? That answer might be a little bit different today than it was yesterday. And yet while we are still constantly changing and being renewed and being made new, there are still some things in our life, in our makeup, in our identity that don't change, that tend to stay the same. So the question, who are you, is one of the most important and fundamental questions that we have to ask and know about ourselves. The story that we read kind of takes place in the middle of the life of two brothers named Jacob and Esau. And if you don't know this story, Jacob and Esau are the sons, twins, of Isaac and Rebekah. And when they were born, Esau came out first, and right on his heels, literally, the Bible said Jacob is grabbing his heel as he comes out. And so the name in Jacob is translated heel grabber. But more literally, it means deceiver. But there's kind of a nuance to it. It's not just deceiver. It's more like people user, smooth talker, place taker. And these two sons have their first big encounter with us in Scripture when Esau comes in from hunting and is hungry. And he tells his brother Jacob that I am about to die of starvation. And he asks him for a bowl of stew. To which Jacob replies, that's great, I'll give you a bowl of stew if you'll give me your birthright. And there Esau sells his birthright to his brother Jacob. And in the story, Jacob leverages the power of his position for his prosperity. His brother is in a place where he is in need. 
And instead of asking the question, well, how can I serve him? Jacob asked the question, how can I use him? How can I leverage the position I'm in where my brother is in need to get what I do not have? And so Jacob takes the birthright. And from that day on, Esau despises his birthright. Well, a little later in the story, Isaac feels like he's getting close to death. And so he calls his favorite son Esau in, and he says, here's what we're going to do. You're going to go out, and you're going to hunt for some food. You're going to kill it. You're going to make me some of my favorite food, just like I like. And after I've eaten, I will give you my blessing. So Esau grabs his gear, and he heads off into the open country to hunt for game. But while Esau is heading out, Rebekah, Isaac's wife, was listening in. And she goes to her favorite son, Jacob, and says, come here, I got a plan. Your father is fixing to give the blessing to your brother Esau, but I want you to have it. And so you're going to go and you're going to disguise yourself as your brother And I'm going to go get some food. I'm going to make it just like your brother. And we're going to give it to your father. And your father Isaac is going to bless you instead of your brother. And so here's what happens in the story. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, But my brother is a hairy man, while I have smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. Now here's the crazy thing about the story. When they come up with the plan, Jacob's response is not, no, I can't do that. That would be wrong. That would be deceitful. That would be taking something that does not belong to me. But that's not his response. His response is this very raw question. And he says to his mother, but what if I get caught? What if my father finds out who I really am? am what if I get caught you see it's the fear of being found out that produces this response in Jacob it's not well this would dishonor God this would dishonor me this would dishonor my father my brother this would be wrong this would be lying this would be deceitful what if I get caught What if, what if someone finds out who I really am? Let's just be honest for a second. 
Has there ever been a time in your life where your greatest fear was the fear of being found out? Worried that someone might see that the you you are pretending to be is not the you you really are. Because at this place, I'm this person, and when I go to this place, I'm this person. And I would hate for people at this place to see how I parent at home. I would hate for people at this place to see my anger problem. I would hate for the people at this place to see my addiction to pornography or to drugs that no one else knows about. You see, my biggest fear is not, well, what I'm doing is wrong, but my greatest fear is what if they find out who I really am. You know, what makes these stories throughout Scripture so powerful is not just the fact that they happen, but it's they do happen. See, the story of Jacob and Esau is my story, and it's your story. And my guess is at some point in your life, you have had this identity that you were afraid other people might see. And the greatest fear inside of you is if they really knew, if they saw who you really were, they would be terrified. And you can say, well, okay, here's the deal. His mother makes him do it, right? I mean, come on. It's his mom pulls him aside like, hey, Jacob, I got a plan. Go. Fair enough. But I think we've done this in here before, but let me just give you a little bit of a history lesson, okay? Isaac is 60 years old when he has Jacob and Esau. Isaac does not die until he's 180 years old. And most people believe that when he blesses Jacob here, he is around 120 years old. So for all you math majors out there, really quickly, okay? 120 minus 60 is what? 60. Jacob is 60 years old at this time. Well, his mom made him do it. You know, kids these days. (laughs) At some point, you have to take responsibility for who you are. At some point, you have to define for yourself who you're going to be. 
And here's the problem. If you do not define for yourself who you are going to be, there will be a whole host of people who line up and tell you who you are supposed to be. Listen, if you do not define for yourself who you are supposed to be, people will come from all around and will line up and they will tell you who you are supposed to be. And if you have not defined for yourself who it is that you are, you will sell your identity to the highest bidder. Or maybe just the first bidder. Your legacy, who you are, and what people will remember, what will live on, will either be defined by design or default. Who you are, the person that you will leave for generations to see, this is this person, this is what I remember will be defined by default or design. And only you have the ability to choose what will define who you are. So Genesis 27 verse 18. He went to his father and said, My father, yes, my son. He answered, Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. And when we encounter Jacob for this second time, Jacob is pretending to be someone he is not. Jacob is pretending to be someone he is not to get what he does not have. And again, he is leveraging the power of his position for his prosperity. He is taking advantage of the fact that his brother is out hunting. He is taking advantage of the fact that his father cannot see. He is using people. But the really important truth that you need to understand is people are made to be loved and not to be used. Things are to be used and not to be loved. And if you do not define who you are, you will constantly switch the two of them around. And you will find yourself loving things and using people. And Jacob is in this place. Who are you? Who are you? I am Esau, your firstborn. Jacob is pretending to be someone he is not. And when you pretend to be someone you're not, the greatest fear in your life will be the fear of being found out. What if, what if, 
people find out that there is a disconnect between the me that they see and the me that I really am? What if people find out there's a secret life that no one needs to know about? And if they found out, I would be terrified. Because that fear will drive you to run. And that's exactly what Jacob has to do. Rebecca goes to Isaac and says, hey, Esau has found out what's happened, and he's going to kill his brother now. What are we going to do? And so Isaac blesses him again and sends him off. He sends him off because Jacob is forced to run from the identity he created. And if you build an alternate identity for yourself, you at some point will have to run from that identity because of the fear of being found out, because of the consequences. And so Jacob is going to spend the next 30 to 40 years of his life running from the identity he created. He's going to spend the next 30 to 40 years of his life because he is afraid that someone might find out who he really is. They might know that he is a deceiver. They might find out that he is a people user, that he is a place taker. And you know what the consequences of that could be see the consequences of being found out it could literally cost you everything it could cost you everything and Jacob runs from Esau. And so this time passes, time goes on. Jacob is married and has children, has developed a life. And then comes the point where they're going to reconcile. And Jacob is fearful about what could happen when he meets his brother what Esau's response will be. And so as they're journeying, he starts breaking up the party. And he starts sending people ahead to meet Esau. And starts making offers and starts doing all that he can to make things right so that his brother will not kill him like he was planning on when he ran in the first place. And then, the day before they're going to meet... Jacob sends his family and his possessions and his servants across the river. And Jacob is left by himself through the night. And in Genesis 32, it says that a man came and wrestled with Jacob through the night. 
And at some points, it seemed like Jacob was winning. And at other points, it seemed like the man was winning and he was prevailing. And then as daybreak came, in just an instant, the man touches the socket of Jacob's hip and it's dislocated. And now the man who spent his night trying to get away from this man, Jacob who spent his night wrestling and trying to break free, now is holding on to him for dear life and will not let go. And the man asked, let me go. And Jacob says, I will not let you go until you bless me. Jacob, who had tried all night to get away, to to break free, and he could not do it. And then once he has the opportunity, he won't let go because he's holding on to dear life for this man. And then the man asked him a really pointed but simple question. He says, what is your name? This is the second time Jacob has been asked this really simple question. The first time, what is your name? I am Esau, your firstborn. The second time, he's asked, what is your name? And Jacob replies, Jacob. And then the story turns. Because at that moment, the man looks at Jacob and he says, your name will now no longer be Jacob, but Israel. It's almost as if God was waiting for Jacob to come to terms with who he was supposed to be. Once we can acknowledge this is who you are, then you can truly be who I intended you to be in the first place. Once you can admit, I am Jacob, once you can admit, I am the deceiver, once you can admit, I am the place taker, once you come to terms with that, then, and only then, can you be who I created you to be. I am Jacob. Now your name will no longer be Jacob. It will be Israel. See, once we got this identity question answered, I've got work for you to do. Once we can get this identity sorted out, I've got a mission and a purpose and a plan for your life. Once we can get this identity and who you are fixed, once we can get this crisis taken care of, then 
then you can be the father of a nation. Then you can live into the identity I intended you to possess in the beginning. Have you ever forgotten who it is you are supposed to be? Have you ever had an identity crisis? Trying to figure out what it is you're doing in this world. And maybe not just what it is, but why. Why am I here? Why do I exist? Jacob, you exist to be the father of a nation. A nation that will give birth to a Savior who will save the world. You exist for something far greater than your success. You exist for something far greater down the line that you will never see. But your legacy, it will be defined by default or design. And the only one who can choose is you. The only one who determines who it is you're going to be. The only one who can answer that question is you. I wonder if there are times that the people around us maybe know the answer to that question better than we know ourselves. There's an interesting story in the New York Times a couple of years ago. It was about a girl teenage pregnancy and just a few weeks into the pregnancy after finding out she received a postcard in the mail from Target congratulating her on being a mother to be see the crazy thing is she had only found out herself a couple of weeks earlier and she hasn't even told her parents yet and she didn't buy diapers or onesies. But Target had developed this sophisticated system where they could determine through statistical analysis that people who bought these few nutritional products together, there was a direct correlation between those people and the people who were expecting children. And so before they ever found out, before her parents ever found out what was going on in her life, the store knew just simply because of some basic purchases. First of all, that's scary. But second... I wonder if there are not people in our life who already know the you you're afraid others might see. I wonder if there are people who know the you that you pretend to be, the you that's hiding the you that is afraid of being found out and being discovered. 
I wonder if it's our spouse who knows that our anger problem is so great and the people that we see every single week in here have no clue what's going on in our life. Or the addiction. Or the deception. Or the lies and the cheating. I wonder if there are not a host of people in our life who know all the stuff we're trying to hide anyway. And as God wrestles with Jacob here, there is this moment where Jacob comes to grips with who he is. And it's in that moment, notice this, the blessing comes in the form of a new name. I want you to bless me. Then what is your name? My name is Jacob. You are no longer Jacob, but Israel. The blessing comes through a new name. Now listen. There is no greater name than the name of Jesus. And as you enter into life with him, he becomes your identity. And the wrestling match between you and God for the rest of your life is the match to try to leave this old identity behind for the new one. In Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Paul says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God was making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God has a purpose for your life in Christ. And it is a greater purpose than anyone you could possibly create. It is a greater identity than anyone you could possibly dream of. 
and he has given it to you, placed it on you, made you new, and set you apart so that you can do this ministry of reconciliation, reconciling the world to God and reconciling man to man, just like he talked about in Ephesians throughout the book that this was his plan from the beginning, and I have work for you to do. But before you can do that work, you have to come to terms, you have to come to grips with who you are. And once you can determine who you are, you can leave that self behind and become the new self you were created to be in me. See, the blessing comes in the form of a new name. It comes in the form of a new life. And you cannot be who God created you to be until you can come to terms with who you once were. And the challenge is to leave the you you once were behind and embrace this new life in Christ. And to leave for yourself a legacy. A legacy that doesn't define who you were. But a legacy that shows people who he is. And that legacy will be defined by default or design. You choose. So as we conclude this morning. Just a simple question for you. Who are you? What is your name? What is the name of the person that you once were? And more importantly, what is the name of the person that you were made to be in Christ? Because that new creation is a beautiful picture, a beautiful reflection of a beautiful Savior. Father, thank you for this day. Father, we thank you that we have been made new in Christ. And Father, for all those, anyone here who has not been made new in Christ, Father, we invite them today. We invite them today to make that decision to surrender who they are and embrace who they will become. Father, as we follow Jesus, we embrace that new name. Father, help us to live into that identity and to leave our old identity behind. Father, thank you for making us new. Thank you for recreating us thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus' name. Amen. Today is the opportunity that you have to be made new again. If you've never given your life to Christ, we offer you that invitation today to surrender to him, walking through the water.